It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah. Let's get it, ladies and gentlemen. It is Monday, July 3rd. Tomorrow's the 4th. There is no show tomorrow, but after a massive weekend for the Cavs and free agency, I am joined now by the two best shooters on the UCSS crew. <laughs> Not named Mike Lucas. That is the Miami drug dealer himself, <laughs> Jason Lloyd, and his white-on-white linens to start the show. It's khaki, tan linen. The hey, Cavs that, got Max Struess. We got Jason Lloyd. Both that is kind of fire. That is kind of fire. I said, man, I like that. Where you going, dog? It's I a like good look. That. No, I, I told going, you. It I'm actually is home. a good look. That's all. It's going home. <laughs> Summertime. Happy for it. And then we got G. Bush here to my right. G, big weekend. Yeah, um, I, I can't hear nothing. So, yeah, I was just cleaning my earpiece out. <laughs> Uh, he's not kidding. That's, I think that's literally what <laughs> he's doing. Yeah, 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 see, hand sanitizer to the set, Earl. Here we go. Okay, now can hear. Now, we are back. We are locked and loaded. Yeah, we are yeah. ready hey, to good let week. hot takes fly. The Cavs are going to let good, three good, balls fly hey, this Listen, year. Good, good weekend. Uh, come on, man. You guys out there are delusional. You guys are delusional. We'll tell you how delusional you are. And I thought I was a Duke knee jerk. Boy, I, I tell you what, man. It's been a 48 hours. These boys out here. There we go. Yeah, he got that hand sanitizer after messing around with the earpiece. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's... You can't I, thought, have, I thought you tried to tell me something. Earl, nah, my nah, hand listen. sanitizer on hand. Hey, to he's me. like, man, I ain't dirty. <laughs> I showered. <laughs> no, we got we got a big show you know, for you guys. So we appreciate everyone tuning in. Like I said, no show tomorrow, but we are here today on the third, following a massive weekend in free agency for the Cavs. They signed Max Struess and a sign and trade with the Heat. They got George Niang, Ty Jerome, Damian Jones. We'll talk about each of those moves. What they paid, was it worth it? How they'll affect the team moving forward. We're also going to talk a little Guardians. They got two All-Stars. And on the day Class A was named an All-Star, he gave up four runs for the first time in his career. So yeah. impeccable timing, but we'll break down that and preview a big series against the Braves coming up. We'll talk a little Browns. Former Browns running back Greg Pruitt is going to make his UCSS in debut. In the building. Uh, he was supposed to come on a couple weeks ago. It didn't work, so fingers crossed it all goes smoothly this time. But, guys, we can't start anywhere without the big news of the weekend, and that is what the Cavs did in free agency. How we're going to do this, just so you guys know, we're going to go try to go player by player, talk about each player and their impact on the team for the upcoming season. Then we'll do it in totality, how much better are the Cavs than they were before. So let's start with the big, the big move. G, you got your Red Bull? Mm-hmm. Jason, Ready is to it go. His, his best Miami Vice gear? And we'll start with the guy they got from Miami. That's Max Struess in a sign-and-trade with the Heat. They had to give up Jetty Osmond and Lamar Stevens in a second-round pick to fit the three, uh, four-year, $63 million deal into their cap. Jason, let's start with you. Max Drews was the guy you said last week was your number one target. Yeah. They got him here. How's the fit? How do you like it? Did they overpay? Four's yours. It's probably a little bit of an overpay, but that's okay. Because wait and see. Wait till you see where these salaries are going in the next couple of years. So 
this is significant to me because I was, I, I don't know this exactly, but I believe, I mean, this is easily one of the biggest contracts they've given out to a street free agent. I think Larry Hughes got 70 million, Lowry Markinen was 67, and, and now this. I think those are the three biggest. I don't count LeBron coming back. That's a whole different category. And I'm not talking about retaining your own guys. I'm talking about convincing someone else to come to Cleveland. The Cavs for 50 years have struggled to get free agents to come here. Now listen, Max Struess is not Kevin Durant. He's not a top-level guy. But for what their needs were and what his skill set is, it was as good of a fit as they were going to find. And for that reason, you know, I, I think they, they nailed it. They had a, they had a great weekend. And Struess is one of those guys that Miami sort of picked off the trash heap, cultivated, turned him into a good shooter. He struggled in the finals. I don't know if that's necessarily cause for concern. The whole, is he a product of Miami system? I think that's a fair question to ask. And I guess we're going to get the answer to that. But he's certainly an upgrade over what they had. I think he slides right into the starting small forward spot uh, just based on skill set, shooting, the ability to, spit, to spread the floor. And I, I just think that was, that was the right guy. That was the guy to go after, and they got him. And I think overall, you know, we'll get into it more as the show goes on. I think they had a really good week, weekend. Hey, listen, th this was a guy who was targeted <clears throat> as the number one or, or one of the top shooters available in free agency, one of the top shooters. So the situation is when you go out and you're able to get him and, and we'll get into this thing. I, I don't know what the notion about he, they overpaid. It's, it's, they overpaid. They, they paid too much or listen, when you are the Cavs, haven't we? Maybe y'all don't listen to the stuff we be saying sometimes and, and granted, sometimes you shouldn't listen to what we saying, but <laughs> When you're talking about getting guys to come to Cleveland, you are not a destination city. So when you're not a destination city, you're going to have to overpay. That's just the reality of it. If they want me to go do some radio or television in like Albuquerque, New Mexico, I'm not going to Albuquerque to do no. No, I'm cool, bro. They're going to have to offer me a bag. They have to offer my wife a bag. They got to give me a house. They got to give me unlimited, unlimited Red Bull and vodkas. Like, no, I, I, you got to understand that Cleveland is not an area and it's not a destination city. This was a, a main target, a main area that we needed to get solidified, which was shooting. And then here's another thing. I'm hearing people talking about floating this around that Jetty and Lamar Stevens were, were somehow ballers and they gave yeah, up that, too yeah, much. I don't, I don't that get what? That. that drew me Listen, Jetty and Stevens could not get on the court in the first round of the playoffs <laughs> what? against the Knicks for good reason. The Cavs signed Max Struess, who was the starting two-slash-three on an NBA Finals team. The numbers, when you put them side-by-side, side, look comparable. They are completely different players. One was a third, fourth option on a starting unit. The other guy was the first or second option on a terrible Struess was a starter on a team that went to the finals. Thank yes. you. He was just yes. playing last week. <laughs> last time I checked, it was done weeks ago. Like, and, and that's the thought process. This is what happens in Cleveland. We we get our little pieces and army men, and we get them, and we be thinking that in our little bubble that these dudes are on the same level or playing field. They're not, man. Jetty's a wonderful human being. He's a nice death. man. He's been here for 12 I years. I understand why fans like him, but he's not great at the basketball. Y'all want the reality? If the Cavs had any ounce of confidence, Jetty could do what Struess could do. They take Jetty for the $6.7 million Absolutely. exception and don't have to spend Absolutely. $63 million to yes. bring in a guy from Miami. If they had 
any ounce of confidence. He can even do 60%, 55 but they are different players. And, and here's some numbers that I think really emphasize what Struess brings to the table. We always talk about the Cavs being a pick-and-roll heavy offense, yes. which I want to talk about how Struess coming in will affect and maybe change up their offense in a sec. But when you have a pick-and-roll heavy offense with two ball handlers like Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, you need guys to space the floor, right? Especially in the corners when you're running pick and roll, so it's all spaced out. Last season, Max Struess went 73 of 162 from the corner on threes. That is 45.4% on corner threes on 162 attempts. Mm -hmm. No one on the Cavs shot 162 corner threes last year. We couldn't even get Isaac Okoro to hit dead spot jumpers, let alone corner threes. We was praying for him to hit a corner three. Now you got a guy that's shooting almost 50% from the corner? Come on, man. On a extremely high volume. Once again, that was 162 attempts last year. He made 75 of those. It's according to the second spectrum stats from the corner. Now, as far as what Struess does, he's not just a standstill shooter. If you watched a minute of the NBA Finals, Struess runs around like Klay Thompson. He had the fourth highest. They track it by miles on second spectrum. He ran the fourth most of any player in the second half of the season last year, meaning he doesn't like just to stand still. He's a guy that... And this is where, JB, listen JB? up here. This is where a lot of it comes on to you now. JB, you, you have a guy room? that has a skill set that they didn't have at all last year. Jetty was a stand-and-shoot guy. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Akuro was a stand and not scared, shoot, to, shoot and scared guy. to shoot guy. Lamar Stevens scared to shoot. What Max Struess does better than anyone the Cavs have had on their roster in the last couple of years is come off pin downs, come off double screens, and in a pick and roll heavy offense, he may not be getting as many shots, but at least they could occupy the backside of the defense to take some attention away from the pick and roll ball handler, whether it be Mitchell or Garland with Mobley, Allen, Damian Jones, whoever else they have in that pick and roll situation. Last year, and this is all stats according to Second Spectrum. Max Struess took six catch-and-shoot threes per game. So no dribbles, catch-and-shoot, whether that's stand in the corner catch, come off a, a high screen, a pin down, catch-and-shoot, shoot. No one of the Cavs took more than three and a half of those last season. That was Donovan Mitchell. And guess what? On those catch-and-shoots, which are a much harder shot than just standing in the corner, he shot 38%. It's one of the highest marks in the league on catch-and-shoots for a guy who was in the top 10 percentile of the NBA on opportunities. This dude's an elite shot maker when it comes to those kind of situations. And yeah, he's not Kevin Durant. He's not Steph Curry. But you weren't getting those guys in free agency. He was as good as you were getting at a position and a skill set they needed available in this free agency class. You don't need him to be those guys. He's the fourth option offensively. He's ahead of Jarrett on offensive options. But it's still Donovan, Darius, and Evan are ahead of, of Max in terms of priority offensively so you're 100 percent right in terms of corner shooting guys make a lot of money in this league if you can just stand in the corner and wait for the ball pj and- tucker in philadelphia he's a guy who i yep. don't know the numbers i would guarantee you or i bet you 90 percent of his shots are set in the corner threes and that's it and just he's not coming off any screens any pin downs 
And that's the kind of thing that Max Struess brings as a shooter that some other guys who are corner specialists don't. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, this is my thing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out in my mind. I, I was on the radio on, um, on Saturday, and so many people just were just blown away. There, I mean, you know, nobody seemed to like the moves. Nobody. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not excited about the moves. Or, or I thought they could have done better. Or, you know, Struess is only 6'5", and, and we, we, need, so we need a long wing defender. See, sometimes what you have to do to me is you have to make people spell out names. Stop being general and tell me who you wanted that you thought was in your price range that was legitimately going to come here. Yeah. I'll wait. And as far as the overpaying goes, wings are gold in the NBA. Yeah. Look at any wing who signed this weekend. Did anyone get market what we, what we assume would have been mar- market value? Bruce Brown, who people thought might get a mid-level exception deal, signed for $22.5 million with the Pacers. Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. Max deal from Houston yeah. is bonkers. That's the one deal I looked at and went, wow. And, and we're going to talk about all the other free agent deals in a sec, but with Struess and the other guys, the Cavs signed, they all got overpaid. Why? Because it's a supply and demand situation. Max Struess can shoot. Is he a great individual defender? No, but he's a solid team defender who comes from the Miami system, and you can't play in Miami if you don't play defense. Right. So he's a good team defender, or at least a serviceable team defender. None of the wings out there who were coveted by multiple teams took a market discount, and why would they? It, and to your point, Jason, as the salary cap continues to rise with this new TV deal, $63 million may seem like a lot now. In two, three years, it's going to be a bargain. Yeah. Like, like. I get what people are saying. Like I really do. I get what. Like I, I, I never understood the the whole commentary on on how much people are are really going out here making. Like, do do you know? Like, you know, there's people on OnlyFans that are making fifty five million dollars. Good for her. Look, for oh, go, 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 right. We just naturally <laughs> assume it's a her, right? Good the, for them. Like, like, the, like the, the the number one TikTok person in the world is making twenty one million dollars. Like there's video game people. Those guys are making seven, eight million dollars a year. My question is, why do you pick so? By the way, soccer players is making 600, 500 million. Like, why do we pick like basketball players during like to me? Yeah, is Van Vliet worth a hundred and something? I, I, I don't know. But at the end of the day, I know he's worth it more than somebody who's playing a video game. And we don't say nothing about that. Like, it's just yeah. get used to it. It's part of the game. It's part of what happens when, when owners make money, they sign deals, and the players have to make money. So, obviously, it's worth watching because we pay TV deals and, and ratings are there. So, like, we should not be in disbelief every single free. I can't believe this guy got that much money. I can't believe half the people that work <laughs> when I work can make that money. Yeah. And that's why they tell you never go to work and tell people how much you make because you're going to have a line out of the back door to, to PD's office. He made what? That guy? He's a bum. I don't even know. What does he do? He gets that. Like, that, yeah. ain't, that ain't two years. That's a year? That's just 365. That's what it, Come on, man. Stop being stop. Stop. Jason, do you have confidence in, in JB and the Cavs offensive scheme to find ways to utilize Struess to the maximum of his ability? Go ahead and say no. You, no, you know, what's funny. <laughs> no, no, no. This is what's funny. I was thinking about this. Actually, I, this just occurred to me driving in to the to do the show today. And I hate comparing the teams in town, but it doesn't it feel like the Browns and Cavs are running on parallel tracks of like they had all of these free agent needs the Browns did going into free agency and you're like man they have so many needs 
How are they going to fill all these spots? And they did. Like, we think Andrew Barry nailed it and, yeah. and had a great offseason. Okay, Kevin, you've got all the ingredients. Now go make it work. And it feels very similar with the Cavs of, like, they have the mid-level exception and they have no trade assets. How are they going to find this? And the Cavs walked away feeling like they got the top two shooters on the market. Yeah. And, and they did. And they, they nailed it. Like, I put it on Twitter. I said earlier in the show, they had a great weekend. And they got what they needed in terms of shooting, shooting, shooting. I said it all season long, especially throughout the playoffs. I had to mute you on Twitter. I muted Jason Lloyd shooting. Shooting. Just so it was shooting, 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 yeah. shooting. You've got to have shooting. And they went and got the shooting. Nailed it. And, and now it's on JB to make it work. And it just feels like these two teams are running on parallel tracks. I told you. I, I came out early. I said after you gave the gentleman's punt on the seat last season, Cleveland Browns, I told you you had six games. And they must have they that not dying say nothing. Maybe, maybe they they felt in their heart of hearts they had six games. They under Kobe heard the the vitriol, the venom, and people's voice when they was talking about you not gonna make no moves. And usually the Cavs kind of trail behind, and we'll talk Cavs a little bit and let it tail off into the summer. No, no harm, no foul. Get into training camp, we'll start. To, nah, this kind of lingered a little bit this time. Because now you got a lot of eyeballs on the situation. You got a team with, with some really good pieces and parts. And now people are looking at you to upgrade to make this thing make sense. I, I'm, I'm with Jason. You went out. We talked about Struz. Um, The fact that they went out and got Niang, who was another guy who we thought, if you thought before you get one or the other, you'd be great. You'd be yep. golden. They go out and get both of them. And so now that puts you... That puts you in a position where you now have shooting that's in your starting lineup. You now have shooting that's coming off your bench a little bit. And the fact that we already knew that we were going to sign Karis LeVert to come back. But I tell you what, he's done. He's done what he needs to do. Yeah. Now JB's going to have to come up. No longer can you say, well, I don't have the pieces and parts. You got shooting. You got him around. You got a point guard. You got a guy that's supposed to be a closer. Evan Mobley is supposed to be your unicorn coming up. And he got you two pieces in the draft that I like that could be projects. Yeah. And he got you two projects that could be somebody. So, you know, he has everything he needs. The Browns comparison, I hadn't thought of that, but that's, that's brilliant. They really do seem to be on the same track. And last week, I think it was last Thursday when Earl was producing, he asked us, what's the biggest issue with the Cavs makeup? And we all said it was the roster. Mm-hmm. And we all agree that you can criticize JB. We don't think he was spectacular last year. They had youth and playoff inexperience does matter, but the construction of the roster was they didn't have shooting, and if you don't have shooting, it doesn't really matter. Was what you guys both said is, is true. They have the shooting now. And now anyone who has said for the last at least 12 months that I've been watching and, and kind of consuming Cleveland media on a daily basis, JB's not a good coach. It's on JB. Where's the offensive creativity? Where's the offensive plays? All we do is run pick and roll. Well, guess what? We're going to see now if you guys are right or if the Cavs are right for giving JB an extension because now all the ingredients, all the, I'll say talent, but all the different positions of need, skill, size, shooting, ball handling, defense, they're all there, JB. And now it's on you to make that work. So I've been patient. I think we've all been pretty patient with what we thought about <coughs> JB. There's no more excuses. It is officially put up or shut up for JB Bickerstaff, and we're going to find out pretty early on not necessarily 20 games into the season. I don't think it's as quick as a runway as six games for Stefanski here with his track record and some of these other guys. But we're going to find pretty quickly if he's going to adapt to utilize these new guys' talents or if it's going to be rinse and repeat and, and make these guys fit 
square pegs into round holes. And watch this though too. People people don't want us to mention certain people's names. Y'all told us that Jared Allen, that was just a one-off. Jared is a good good player. We understand that Jared had did his thing. He's an all-star in, pre- in previous years. He's gonna he had a slip up where he didn't play as physical as he needs to. Give him an opportunity. Hey, I'm watching Jared. I'm watching Darius yep. Garland. If you don't want your name in, people thought it was ludicrous to put Darius Garland's name in these trade proposals. Well, here's the thing. Is it outlandish to say that Darius Garland has to step his game up? Is it is it outlandish to say we need Darius Garland if he is a max player of that ilk? We need him to take another step. We talk about Mobley taking steps all the time. Darius Garland is another guy that can take a step up and it doesn't have to be scoring. It can be understanding his spots. Yeah. It can be picking his spots better. It can be more, more of a vocal leader. It can be more toughness, right? And then Evan Mobley, we know what we know what your task is to get better. So my thing is too, JB has to get better, but your best players have to get better. And shall I say Donovan Mitchell, your be, you, 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 the best player on the team. You made second team all NBA At the end of the day. Now you tasked with bringing something different to the court, maybe being a facilitator and not not fading in the postseason. So there's a lot of people that got some work to do, and if they get their work done and adding these new pieces, I see the Cavs taking a step. Yeah, well, in a little bit after we go through all these moves, we'll talk about where the Cavs now kind of fit in the Eastern Conference hierarchy. But we talked through, so let's go to the next big signing, which was George Niang from Philadelphia. The minivan. True or false? George Niang ranks in the top 15 of all active players in career three-point percentage. Well, this seems like a trick question, so I'll say true. I'm going to say true because every time we played them, he would hit a back-breaking three. We down six. George Niang comes down, and he's wider. Who has him? Who's, AKA, whose man is that? The answer is true. George Niang, the six-foot-seven, six-foot-eight, 230-pound, three-four-five wing from Philadelphia, does rank 15th among active players in career three-point percentage. He's a 40% three-point shooter for his career. Jason, we started with you as Struess. I'll start with you again with Niang. I really like this move. Are you as favorable on this signing as you were with Struess? Yeah, I do like it a lot because the two together now, now you can play styles that you couldn't play before. You can pull Jared off the floor. You can put Evan at center, and you can surround him with shooters, which is something that they just didn't really have the couldn't capability. Do last they couldn't do it. They didn't have the capability of doing that. And when you, once you do that, now you've opened up the floor. You've created driving lanes. Donovan and Darius are only so good if they have nowhere to go. And now they, can, now they have room to maneuver, operate, collapse the defense, kick to the shooters in the corner, kick to Niang, kick to Struess. Uh, you know, if it's Donovan, Darius is out there. So it, it just it opens things up. And, and for that reason, I, I, think it's, I, I think they nailed it. Before you go, G, can I give you two numbers? Yes, you can. So we talked about Max Struess on corner threes. Yeah. 45%, pretty good. According to Second Spectrum Stats, Niang shot 52% on That's corner crazy. threes last year. That's crazy. That is the epitome of a standstill corner specialist. Yeah. Another element he adds to this offense, which they did not have last year, is a pick and pop. Mm-hmm. This is a pick and roll friendly offense, but when you have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley as your rollers or your screeners, they're rolling every time because, as we've talked about time after time after time, neither can really shoot. Well, George Niang adds a new element to the offense by simply being on the court. And last year, G, what do you think he shot from three on pick-and-pop situations 
This number comes courtesy of Second Spectrum Sports. 53.5%. No, if he did that, he would have got 50 million a year. <laughs> no, he shot 42% on pick and pop threes, which ranked among the top 7% in the NBA. Man. George Niang doesn't do a lot of the things that Evan Mobley can do. He doesn't bring the defensive intensity that Jared Allen does. But from an offensive perspective and a versatility standpoint, the stuff he brings is night and day different than the current two bigs on the Cavs roster. And it's something this team, it's an element to the offense that this, this team simply did not have last year. Some, I love the Niang sign. And something that just, this may not be perfect. I literally just thought of this. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Channing Fry. You stole my point. He going to jump ahead of me and twinkle his fingers. I had it in the tip of my tongue. I was waiting patiently after the two steps for me. Now go ahead, man. No, but Ch- I mean, Channing, Channing was bigger. Yeah, but, Channing was 6'11". Yeah. But, and he was really more, but he wasn't great defensively. There nope. was teams where he just couldn't get on the floor. They couldn't play him. But Channing used to tell me all the time, if you let me stand in the corner and get my feet set, you're done. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll hit it every time. And this has sort of that feel to it of that guy who in the right situations and the right matchups, again, you're not asking him to be a starter. He's going to be a guy that comes off the bench and just in the right, you pick the right moments. He's that dead eye shooter that they haven't had. See, Jason doesn't move well, but that's okay. He understands that you got to talk to these, these Cavs fans and LeBron talk. <laughs> y'all they don't, they don't understand no new wave stuff. The new, like if you ain't saying LeBron, they don't get it. There's disconnect. But if you go ahead and give them something to point back to, they understand what that was. Channing Frye got the Toronto Raptors all the way up out of here. I felt bad for the Raptors at one point because they was doing the Raptors and the Hawks so dirty. Like, it would be Channing Frye, and he hit like seven threes. And then Kevin Love would get hot five threes. And then J.R. Smith would not miss for some reason. And then Shumper, all of a sudden, he wanted to start hitting threes. You already had Kyrie that was a sniper. The Cavs back then had layers and layers. Even they had James Jones coming off the bench at one point in time. They got Mo. They, they said, let me go get Mo Gotti back. Give me Mo Williams come back. They had a couple threes. They had all these shooters. Now, guess what? Now, Kyrie, he can slash, get to the rim. Now, LeBron, now you can't afford to double team in certain places. Mm-hmm. Now, the Cavs, if you slowly but surely look at what they're doing, you get a guy like this who can come off your bench you now have waves and layers of different pockets that you can get into. You can do small lineups now. Now you got Evan Mobley, and if he's working on his game, the one thing that we do understand is we're not missing nothing defensively on the pick and roll. So don't worry about that. He, we, we can switch off on all of that. So we, we can go small. You can put Evan at the five. You can have Yang in the game. You can have yep. Struess in the game. The two guard. You can put Karis LeVert in it. It's a lot of things you can do now that could combat some of the stuff that you was weak at last year, yep. right? And we could have got the Nick if we had these shooters. And and I'm just gonna say this: if you had these two shooters, the Knicks is up out of here, easy, easy, because you got more spacing and you would have better looks from Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. They had two dudes looking at them, yep. grabbing them all the way to the rim. It was it was ridiculous. No spacing. The most common play in basketball is the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's the most common play in basketball, it's the staple of most teams' offenses. It's the hardest thing to guard. You're at a disadvantage inherently when a guy screens. The, his defender has to come over a screen, go under a screen, so it's really two on one and a half. Mm-hmm. And then you have to pick where you help from. And if you have non-shooters on the, in the court, it's easy to choose who to help from. If you have, in a situation, Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell, it doesn't matter. We'll just 
pick pick one. Who do we want to use for this? Man, Garland. We'll use Garland with the ball in his hands. And we'll use Mobley as the screener. And you're spacing the floor with Donovan Mitchell, 40% three-point shooter. George Niang in the corner, 52% from the corner. And Max Drews in the other corner at 45%. Where are you helping from? You cannot leave one of those guys. It's a pick-your-poison situation. And that is what we didn't see against the Knicks. The Knicks were able to completely collapse the defense, have five players with at least one foot in the paint because they weren't scared of Isaac Okoro. Sorry, Jetty. Jetty. Sorry, Lamar. Lamar. Sorry, Danny. Danny Green. They weren't scared of anyone else in the Cavs roster shooting, so they were able to collapse, and that just clogs the middle and it makes it. It's like trying to run against a 10-man box. And I would say it's just not lanes. Now that they have weapons, everything spreads out. It makes it easier. There's more assist opportunities for both Garland and Mitchell. And, guys, the game of – this is stupid, but it's serious. The game of basketball is so much easier when you make shots. And Donovan Mitchell isn't going to have to think when he drives, sees two guys collapse, what's a better offensive opportunity for my team? Me taking a tough jump shot or George Niang in the corner? Because last year the tough jump shot was a better option than kicking it out to Isaac Kakura or Lamar Stevens. With the guys in the corners now, that's the right basketball play – you make the right basketball play, good things happen. And I'm telling you, if everyone stays healthy and JB finds a way to get these guys to mesh and That's add it. a little creativity, That's it. this has the make <clears throat> of a top-tier offense in the NBA next season. I'm going to tell you what. And I want to see him run. I want to see a little pace, too. 30, they do need to pick up the pace for as young as they are. Yeah. They're like 12 years old. Like, <laughs> and, and if Mobley can get to 30%, now it looks different, don't it? Like, he was 22 or something, he, 21? He was 25 as a rookie, 21.8 last year. Well, let's, let's see. Here's the thing. The great part about getting these dudes is you just hedge your bet. If Evan can get to thirty percent, you're like great. We're even better. But if you don't, you're not what you're not you're not banking on Evan Mobley jumping forty five percentage points in, in in terms of what he's going to do as far as being being a shooter. I will say this. I don't know about you, and you could ask the chat. Um, I don't know if this makes them more watchable, but I will say at the end of the year, I was not enthused about watching the Cavs run anything back. I, I did not want to see. I just was tired of seeing like, and it's just the thing, the Jetty stuff, the Lamar Stevens, the, uh, you know, the, the bench bunch, the, 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 the Robin Lopez, like you, you was carrying around four or five players that, you know, couldn't contribute to give you anything. I thought that ran its course. At least there's some fresh blood of some new guys in there that I could see some development and they could do some other things. I'm more excited about watching the season now than I was at the end of the year. Um, and, and I think, you know, that, that's a big thing. I, I think that is a thing for some fans. They just was like, yo, I just don't want to see the same squad. And they can now. They're, they're, if you need to stop at the end of the game, you can put Okoro, Allen, and Mobley out there together. That's okay. Like, mm-hmm. you can put your best defensive guys out yeah. there. Play, switch offense for defense, call a timeout, get your shooters back out there. So there's still spots where they can body guys up, go big, and, and really focus in on the defensive end. But they don't have to play that way anymore. It doesn't have to be. I I, I started to pull this apart last night, and I didn't I didn't get all the way far all the way through it. But we've talked about it before where you know I've talked to people around the league who say you don't have to be number one in the league defensively, but you can't. And, and it, it's easier to win if you are mediocre defensively with terrific shooting than it is with mediocre shooting and yeah. terrific defensively. You've got to have the shooting component. And the, the last three years, 
the team that was the number one ranked in defensive rating was bounced in the first round. Now the other one was Boston, which went to the NBA Finals. So it's not – obviously defense matters. And defense, actually a top ten defensive rating matters more than I thought that it would. But you have got to have the shooting component or you're not going to make it very far. And we saw that firsthand. Mm -hmm. So they can still play defensively. They can still play the defensive style, the bully ball style. But now you can – it, you can also pull Jared off the floor and go with shooters or pull Evan off the floor and go with shooters all around. We've had the Jared conversation multiple times. I don't see any reason to trade him now because they were able to fill no. the needs. We talked about it before. I said it before. I thought it was a knee-jerk reaction based on one playoff series to trade Jared. The, way that, the reason why you have the conversation of do they have to trade Jared is in order to fill some of these holes that they had. Well, they were able to fill their needs without moving him. So now I don't see I don't see a pressing reason unless it just all goes to hell next year <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't work with with playing two non-shooting bigs again. Aside from that, I, I think now he brings an, a level of flexibility to be able to play yeah. different ways. Yeah, because now you could, you could go. I like the the thought process of going with the defensive lineup. You got other different lineups that you can go with now. Like in the playoffs, I thought um, a guy who was really good at Ty Lue was great at that. Yep. Ty Lue with, with Ty was a matchup master. Hey, he yes. had he tell and, and I like how he did it. He and this was with Kevin Love, prime Kevin Love. Hey, K, you ain't playing today, right now. We can't get you. We got we going with Tristan Thompson, and, and, and we're gonna go with Channing. We're gonna go like yeah. he he mixed and matched brilliantly with the different pieces. Now, when you got the team like this, look, I, I don't think Jared, Jared makes any sense at this point because guess what? You got you got some shooting. You got better shooters in the starting lineup. You got some guys coming off the bench that can spell them. Now you now you look at it. If the Cavs are going to say we're the number one defensive team, did they lose anything that will still make them the number one defensive no, team? No. So they were the number one defensive team because they tried really hard at defense. Well, yeah. theoretically, they can still hang their hat on. We're the number one defensive yeah. team. We didn't give no no none of those pieces up, and we got better offensively. I'd expect them to still be a top ten defense next year. I got one stat, and then one thing I got to tell you guys about Niang. Uh, from one of his former coaches. But this is my favorite stat about the Struce Niang hires. I'm going to read this so I don't get this wrong. From Second Spectrum Sports. Last season, the Cavs made 953 pointers as a team. That was 19th in the NBA. If you replace Struce and Niang for Osmond and Stevens, they would have finished fifth. Wow. Wow. Just swapping those two, they go from 19th to fifth. That's 205 additional threes made last season between Struess and Niang and Osmond and Stevens. They may not seem like name-wise massive upgrades, trust me, on the court. These are massive upgrades for what they want to do. One last thing on Niang before we move on to the last two here. Jason's connected in the NBA circles with everybody. I got a couple connections. One of them happens to be with the Sixers where we just got George Niang from. Uh, Eli, who I've told you guys about their video quarter, and George, that's his tightest guy on the team. He texted me as soon as George signed with the Cavs and goes, dude, Y'all got a great one. Hmm. I asked him, I was like, all right, give me a little more than I would know. He's one of the smartest basketball players he's ever worked with. He, got, he goes, this dude could run every play in our playbook from every position. Just wow. a nice little tidbit to have. Yeah. He is the nicest and most willing to help dude. He's with all the rookies working with them after practice shooting. I'm hoping the first thing he does when he gets to Cleveland is goes find Evan Mobley and goes, hey, let's get up 500 jump shots. Yep. And he goes, listen, the rebounding numbers, they look abysmal. We told them box out, let other people get rebounds. You can't jump, George, so just box your guy out, make sure your guy doesn't get the rebound. So, yeah, the 2.4 rebounds for his career is definitely like, how's a guy who's 6'8", only averaged 2.4 rebounds. His job was not to rebound. His job was box out, 
don't let your guy get the rebound. We have Joel and other guys to get the rebound. And last but not least, he's not a good individual defender, a very smart team defender. He goes, watch how many charges he takes. He goes, Kevin Love took a lot of charges mm-hmm. with Cleveland. George Niang will slide right into that role. He's always in the right place at the right time. That is coming from a guy who coached in the last two years, is super tight with George. And I do think not just his skill set on the court, but it seems like the makeup of who he is fits in exactly with what this young court. Because he played three years in college. He's a little bit older than your traditional first contract guy. But I think he's going to be a really, really let, good let me And I just really quickly, like if you take a look at, at the Miami Heat's roster, mm-hmm. the roster that beat the Denver Nuggets in one of the first two games, right, of the NBA Finals, if you take a look and compare it to what the Cavs have today, the Cavs roster is better than the Miami Heat roster. Would you not say? The Heat are trying to get Dame Lillard right now. So yes, let's, they're, let's, they're, let's hold our peace but, before we finalize products. But, but, yes. As, but today, but, yes, they but, have a better it, roster it, than the Heat. Yes, yes, if we're comparing, and, and obviously if they get Dame Lillard, that's, a, that's another story. Changes. But all I'm saying is there's a lot of parity out there. And there's a lot of teams that feel that they're close. Go out west. Yep. There's a lot of teams that feel yep. like now they're closer. It seems like it's more down to a big two and to get your bench together. It feels like nowadays it's, it's moving moving back towards the early 90s where you had to have a couple ball players off the bench. Yeah. I, it's starting Def, to feel Def that matters way. matters again. Yeah, it's, matters. it's starting to feel that way a little bit. All right, we're going to move on to their next two signings here. We've talked about Struess. We've talked about Niang. They also got Ty Jerome here, who's been a serviceable backup for the last four years, was a top guy coming out of college, out of Virginia. And I want to actually let Earl start with this, because Earl came in this morning, and Earl said, of all their signs, I think Ty Jerome might actually be one of their biggest, most impactful. I like that one the best. So, Anthony, tap Earl, let him get on the mic. Earl, real quick, before we break down the numbers, why are you so high on the Ty Jerome signing for the Cavs? I think the dude is a pure shooter. I think he's somebody that, to me, um, being in, you know, Golden State with, uh, with Steve Kerr and just learning from pros like Steph Curry and, and Clay Thompson, um, I kind of felt like he got buried on a depth chart that had a lot of shooters on there. But I think this is a, a sneaky signing to me. I think this is a guy who can come in, immediately be your backup point guard. If he gets all the backup point guard minutes, I'm not mad at all. I do remember the game where he got the start against the Cavs last year and he dropped 22 points, had eight assists. Um, very good basketball player like you. I thought highly of him coming out of school. I think this is the one signing that is going to get overlooked, but he can have a huge impact right away. Yeah, this signing to me tells me that the Cavs think Rubio's cooked. I don't know how much they're expecting from him. I know they had money to bring in a, an extra guard here, but a guy like Ty Jerome, who's 6'5 and a pretty good defensive player, I, I just don't know how much they still believe in Ricky Rubio as the full-time permanent backup behind Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Jason, did you get that feel with this signing? or I, I Actually, I don't read it that way. I read it as he's the Neto replacement and an upgrade over Neto. Mm. I think Rubio is still I, – listen, maybe Rubio is cooked, but when they brought him back – They knew it wasn't going to be last year. I, I it was that. Yeah, it was always second year coming back from an ACL. The first year is always rough. It's always year two is what you look at. Like, they made that very clear when they brought him back. And I still think that that holds. I think they want – Ricky meant so much to this team when he was healthy and when he was right. I think they want him to have the first crack at that. And I look at, I look at this as, as that, that Neto guy. He's certainly an upgrade over what Neto was. Yeah. Neto was that placeholder until Rubio was back and healthy. 
but I, I think Ricky has dibs on that spot. And then if and then if he is washed, if it is over, you well have. now you've got someone that you can slide into that spot. Man, listen, I I, I liked him. I liked him at Virginia. I loved him at you, Virginia. Virginia, man. I'm th- I thought it was gonna be. I thought it was gonna be that deal. Um, coming out of two, 2019, he was doing his thing at, at, at Virginia. Like he got a, he got. <laughs> He got that one leg step back game. He got the he got the, the floater. He got the old man wide. Yeah. He got the floater game. Like there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of different games where he contributed double double figures with the Warriors, right? Um, he he did hit us for 22. I was upset at that game. I was salty, like you, because you know me. If you talk about Duke yeah. and knee jerk, I'm just like over here going crazy. My niggas was going crazy. I was like, who is this guy? Who is this dude? Yo, he can't miss neither. It was disrespectful. But I like the move. Yeah. Again, guess what? Guess what he can do? Shoot. Mm-hmm. He <laughs> shot 39% from three last that, year. Once again, it, I'm not. I, hey, look, I, I know y'all want athletes. Listen, uh, listen, we got we got enough athletes for 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 two or three teams. Now I need guys that can come in, and the most disrespectful thing that can happen to you when you're in the playoffs is if you're a coach and you know you need to make a move. You know what the move is, but you look down the line and say, "Oh Lord, I can't play you." Yeah, I definitely can't play you. That's what happened to the playoffs. Not- <laughs> yeah, like everyone who was coming down on JB was like, "What would you like him to do? Look who he has to pick Sam from." Sam Merrill. Yeah, Save right. the day, Sam. Merrill, what's up, Sam? Merrill Lynch, what's up, bro? You got something? Nah, I, is this guy gonna come in and is he gonna be the the like like uh? He's not gonna be a savior. He's gonna be a savior. Let's be realistic, but. Like I said, at, the way I feel about the game now is is changing a lot because you're you're starting to see a lot less big three mentality. Yeah. The big three mentality where it's like, yo, we're going to find a big three. They're going to do everything. They're going to average all the points, get all the rebounds. We're going to ask them to do all the heavy lifting, and we're going to round out the rest of the roster with a bunch of boogie cousins. Like, nah, like that that's gone now. You're starting to see the Bruce Browns. You're starting to see the Struces. You're starting to see the guys that that are the, the undervalued guys that can come in and give you nine. Them nine points can be the difference between the game. You winning and losing. It's crazy. So now I, I need my bench to be solidified as much as I can. And if I'm going with slim pickings, yeah. I'm going I'm going to develop some guys and figure out if I got some guys in that rotation to get ready for playoffs because that's what matters. Yeah, Jerome didn't play. He's never actually played in a postseason game, which we talk about guys. You can look down your bench and play. Well, he's been on a couple of playoff teams and has never played a postseason minute. I'm not. That's not to disparage him. Just keeping the reality of what mm-hmm. you bring in here. He's a backup, potentially third string backup point guard. Here's what he does do very well. He's a facilitator. He's got a 3.2 to one career assist to turnover ratio, which is among the best in the league. Now, granted, he doesn't play as much. Those numbers are always going to be a little skewed, but I'd much rather have a guy with a 3.1 coming in off the bench than a, you know, essentially a one-to-one. I want my backup point guard to be a floor general, a facilitator. He does that very well. Defensive win shares are a tough metric to really gauge, and I don't even want to explain to you. Just know that anything positive is good, and he had a two defensive win share last year. So he's a plus defender at 6'5 on the wing for any situation where they may need a, a bigger guard to guard someone in the league. And he's, he's, he's only played 48 games – or 48 games is most he's ever played in the season. He has had some injury histories. Mm-hmm. He's never played a ton of minutes, but his per 36 numbers, which is just take their career numbers, drag it out in case they played starter minutes. If he was to do that, his per 36 numbers are 14 and a half points, four rebounds, six assists. That's a pretty damn solid backup point guard. 
It is. And if you need him to play more minutes, like we saw in that Cavs game last year, I think he is serviceable. I Do I think he's better than Ricky Rubio? I think it's pretty damn close right now after what I saw from Rubio last year. Yep. Maybe Rubio with a full year back from the ACL can return to the form he was prior to the injury because prior to injury, Rubio is better than Ty Jerome. But if you're not 100% confident Rubio is going to get back to that level, having a guy like Ty Jerome to be his backup or potentially his replacement is a really, really good luxury to have. Plus, you don't necessarily if – Rub- if, if Ricky doesn't have it anymore, you have two ball-dominant guards on the floor. Like, you can – one of them is going to be on the floor all the time anyway. Yeah. So you, that's one spot where you can kind of fudge or hide. Uh, you don't have to have a top-shelf backup type guy just because Donovan and Darius are always going to have the ball in their hands. And I do think Jerome could play a little off-ball too if, if need yeah. be. Like he, he is 6'5". He shot 39% last year, 32% career shooter for his entire career. Like he's capable of coming off screens and at least being a spacing guy in that pick-and-roll offense. So uh, an underrated signing, we'll see, but certainly a move that I think – helps booster the depth of this team. The last guy they signed was Damian Jones, who has been a journeyman. He's been on – he feels like he's been in the league forever. He's He's been been on on, six teams in seven years. He goes back to those Golden State days. They got him from Utah in a trade yesterday. Listen, Robin Lopez is gone. They got nothing from Robin Lopez last year. It's a pick-and-roll offense. He's an athletic 6'11 big, a rim runner, a dunk threat. If nothing else, we can expect five to ten really cool alley-oop highlights from this year. If nothing else, that's what we're going to get from Damian Jones. I don't think he's going to be a huge contributor no. in any facet, but he's certainly a nice depth piece, and he certainly is a highlight reel waiting to happen in the pick-and-roll game with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Hey, I just need him to get his, his sideline celebrations ready, like the hold me back, oh, Lord, <laughs> hold me back, I'm going in. The slide down the chair, that's what we need to be ready for you, Damian. Well, That's at least he'll sit on a chair. Robin yeah. Lopez didn't even sit on a chair last year. He was taking a ball to floor space. I'm like, so all it's going to take is somebody to trip over Robin and, t- and tweak an ankle. He's done, but he now he's washed. Now he's super. Listen, he was out. When y'all was interviewing him during the regular during preseason, I was like, he ain't going to make it, dog. He, he can't even bend. He was, he, was, he was like the sloth out there. He throwing them hooks up. I said, man, <laughs> and your brother, you call you, hey, wrap it up, dog. You done made enough money. <laughs> you done made enough, Robin. You went to Stanford. You're a smart guy. You're kind of funny. Just go do something. Hold a camera somewhere, bro. He's up out of here. He's done. Jason, same feelings. Just a, a yeah. nice guy to have, but. <laughs> yeah, I, if you're counting on him to win you games, you're in trouble. Some, oh. some things have gone terribly wrong. <laughs> so he's the, he's the big at the end of the bench. Abort. Abort. Abort mission. Get him out of there. He's going to get us killed. Abort mission. <laughs> yeah, but he played sparingly in Utah last year. Like I said, he's a guy who, in theory, provides a little rim protection. He's 6'11. He's super athletic. He went to Vanderbilt. I believe he was a first-round pick. I think he was the 30th pick in 2017 uh, when the Warriors won all those championships, and he kept getting those opportunities late in games. Bouncy will catch oops. He has no offensive game outside of dunking. They don't need him to have an offensive game outside of dunking, and they needed a big man to replace uh, the Robin Lopez minutes. I, at the price they had to, the price they acquired him for, and the money he makes, there's not a ton of options in that big man role Correct. for two, three million dollars. So. I like the move. I mean, it's like I said, it's not going to make a big impact, but he's a guy I like having at the end of the bench as opposed to a big stiff who I don't think ever could really contribute. Can, can, um, so in the, in the midst of the East, right, like, uh, like the whole total picture, was there anybody 
that that y'all can because you know obviously you know it takes a little bit to raise somebody above somebody in basketball. Is there anybody that just fell like a couple ladders because they either didn't make a move or lost somebody? Yes. Or is there a t- or is there a team that like really substantially came up like oh okay? Do you want to start? Go ahead. Well, it's the Sixers first and foremost, and that's because they fired Eli because they brought in a new coach. So <laughs> well, you know, no, 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 anyway, Philadelphia. But in all seriousness. You're losing James Harden. I don't know what you're bringing back for James Harden that is the equivalent on-the-court talent immediately to equal what James Harden is. Daryl Morey has two theories of thinking. He's done this his entire career. Get stars or tear it all down and rebuild. I don't know who's trading a star back to Philadelphia to replace James Harden. And if they're going to go in the, in the, the path of a quasi-rebuild or at least starting that process, <coughs> then they definitely take a step back from being a two-seed in the East going down. Milwaukee re-signed all their guys. They yep. changed their coach. It, who knows if that makes them better or worse. Boston switched up Marcus Smart for Kristaps Porzingis. And they got rid of Obi Toppin. I'm not sure they signed anybody, anybody, did they? I know they traded Toppin. The Knicks? The Pacers. Yeah, I don't think they, they got DiVincenzo. They got DiVincenzo. They got the whole uh, whole Villanova squad yeah. okay. reunited. DiVincenzo's a nice move for them. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Uh, nice added piece. They still got Hart? Yeah, Hart, Hart optioned in. So now they have Brunson, Hart, and DiVincenzo from that Nova championship team. Dang. All playing with the Knicks together. That's wild. That's yeah. crazy. Run, run it back. Hey, run a championship. Uh, one championship in Philadelphia. You might as well try doing it in New York City now. Let's look at the East as a big picture, though. Do you guys agree with the Sixers as, as the team that we could pretty confidently say? I would think they if, fell down. If Harden does get traded, like all the reports. I, I mean, it's crazy to think that the Sixers at one point in time had Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, <laughs> Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, all on the same roster, and it looks like the only one that's going to be left is Tobias Harris and, and B, and he's 30 now. I didn't, I didn't know he was 30 until McNuggets said it. Like He's like, oh, and B is third turning third. I said, what? Yeah. I forgot he missed a couple of calendar years, but I think that and, – and I'm still trying to figure out, okay, James Harden wanted – I watched all weekend. What reason is James Harden giving for not wanting to, like – like he asked for a trade. I'm confused as why. Like, why are you asking for another trade at this point? I, I because, because you lost, or you don't think you can win, or I'm like, pleading the fist. I I don't understand. Like, I don't get. It. And then he, and then why would he go back to Houston? Why, well, what? I don't think he's, he's going to wind Houston up. Now. Yeah, he's not. Going. Well, well he, he was interested in going back yeah. to Houston. I I don't. I'm not a Harden fan. I've made clear. I, I would never trust him with my team if I'm a coach or GM or owner. I wouldn't want him anywhere near my team. I'm not a fan of his. I don't care why he wants out. I just think he's not a winning player. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, on his, he's on his way out of here. Um, I do think I'll be interested to see the Przingis for Marcus Smart. I don't know that they're better. I don't either. I don't, I don't like that move. I know we talked about it uh, before, and the feeling was Smart's kind of lost a step defensively. I don't know that you can trust Przingis to stay healthy. I don't know that he really makes them significantly better. Uh, at most, I think it's an even swap in terms of in improving your team talent-wise. Maybe I'm wrong. And, and I look at it. They're counting on White to be. White was really good last he year. Was yeah, really he was good really good in the postseason. But if, if Przingis is out 30 games, right, I mean, you're missing a lot with, with you know, Marcus Spark not being there. I mean, I, I, I'll, you'll look at it. I don't know if they're, they're not much better. Um, I think Milwaukee came back with the same squad. Um, I think that they are. Um, I think that they they just signing resigning Brook Lopez was huge for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, because they, they it was touch of gold for there for a little bit because I didn't know they were going to be able to resign him. 
Um, and I will say this is out west. I mean, we're, we're gonna get to the teams in a sec, but <sighs> real quick on the cast, and then we're gonna touch on the other winners and losers for agents. I know what you're gonna say, and yeah. I'm gonna agree with you. And one team in the west <laughs> got a lot better. I don't know where the salary. I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna say we're All gonna right, get go ahead. <laughs> with the cast though, and we'll put a bow tie on this. And I know we got a PCC poll question we got to read here in a couple minutes, but. If you look at the totality of the East, last year the Cavs were in that second tier. They were the four seed. They mm -hmm. lost the Knicks, yada, yada. We did the fence rider question. Jason, you and I were the only people who said we thought the Cavs could contend for a top two seed next year. Not necessarily win, but contend. With the moves they've made, with the rest of the fluctuation of the Eastern Conference, if they're not contending for a top two seed, I'll be really disappointed in this team next year. People are getting fired. Yeah, I, and, I, and it's back to what you said with the Browns earlier. And I can't believe I didn't think of this bad job out of me. They are on the exact same path, and hopefully it ends well on both occasions. But they both have, they're both all in. Chips are all in. Pieces are all in. The ingredients are there. How good's the damn chef? And how good's this meal going to be? And if you really want to go another degree on that, go back and look at the history of when the Browns and Cavs fire their coaches. It's always at the same time. I mean, Ty and Ty Lue and Hugh Jackson got fired within like 24 hours of each other. Was it really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's freaky. <laughs> Every year that the Browns fire their coach, the Cavs fire their coach. Mm. It happens all the time. This is beautiful. This is what I like to hear. Well, no, I don't want to hear it because I don't want either one of them I to get fired. I, I don't either, but I like maximum I like maximum pressure. I believe pressure gets the best out of people. I believe so. Look look what look what Kobe Altman did in a short period of time. He Kobe Altman, shout out to you. Yeah. You must have been you I don't know. Cause we, we was telling you, hey bro, you came you, you said a curse word or you you cursing on TV talking about Stan Pat. And guess what? You magically got that marker out. Did you go to an Ivy League school or something? Kobe? Yeah, you he went, coached in the Ivy League. Yeah. Uh, same difference. Hey, same, he, he's same. affiliate. He has he's Ivy affiliate. League affiliation. You, you, you Ivy League brothers, y'all be getting creative and math. Stefanski, I like your creative no, math. There no, you go. Coming together. No, there, yeah. The pressure is on. We hope they win. And Kobe does this for, for all the times that last week we crapped on the roster and said, what'd you expect JB to do? Kobe, kudos to you because you had a masterful weekend. And Bull, you better be. You gotta watch now. Now you gotta watch the regular season games. You out of here. Like you, you can't even say nothing. You thought you was going. I'm not watching them. I'm not watching them. Ah, bitch, I'm not everybody. I'm not watching them. You're gonna <laughs> to watch. To his them. point, this is this is a postseason team now. It's yeah. all about yep. what you do in the postseason. Yep. The regular season, it just doesn't matter. The regular season's for the knee jerkers like me. The regular season's now preseason, <laughs> and the regular season's yeah. postseason. There which means, go. JB, I want to see some pin downs for Struess. I want to see some pick and pops. I want to see some lineups with one big and the Yang is the four. And you're going to see Allen, that. And we, be, we better. My yeah. point is we better. Yeah. See you better be. I better hear you. You you need to be with Coach K. You need <laughs> to be going to see. You need to be going to see all of the. I don't care if you got to have some triangle action. You just go see somebody who. who what was his name? The, the not text winner. Go see text winner or something. I don't know what you're going to do, <laughs> but you got to have some screens or something, dog. Awesome. Well, hey, we appreciate everyone tuning in. We're going to get to the PCC question here in one sec. If you guys have not already, hit that like button on the video. Give us them likes. And if you're not a subscriber, man, free. what are you waiting for, man? It's free. It helps us out. We really appreciate it. Hit that subscribe button. And then if you are a member, obviously we appreciate you. If you're not a member, there's a couple of membership tiers. Check them out. You get a coaches tier for $199, starters tier for $499. You get all that overtime content in the starters tier, membership perks, and everything else. We put the banners up. You know you've seen it. Please hit that like button. Please subscribe. We appreciate you all. Anthony! What's going on, PCC? Yeah, so we went out and talked to our community tab, and whenever we talk to our community tab, it's brought to you by PCC Airfoils. Earl. 
Looking for a job with career <laughs> advancement and great benefits? PCC Airfoils is a leading manufacturer in Northeast Ohio, and all locations of PCC Airfoils in Eastlake, Menor, Wycliffe, and Minerva are hiring for all positions starting at $18 and up. Plus, get a full benefit package, paid time off, and signing bonus. You can apply online at precast.com careers to learn more. And so we wanted to know who everybody thought was going to be a bigger impact this season from free agency signing. Before you, before you say this, I read some of the comments earlier. And for the first time ever, I think we have to rebuke some of the internet comments. Do you want me to read the comments for you, or do you want to read the comments and no, I'll read the poll? You, you, oh, yeah. Give us the poll, then I'm going to read some of the comments right. on it. So coming in at first, everybody thinks at 75%, Max Struess is going to be our most impactful player. Next up is George Niang at 17%. Damian Jones at 6%. And coming in ty- dead last is Ty Jerome for 2%. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. I want to read some of the comments here. And then Jason and Gio, I want you guys to respond. What are these, where are these from? These are from the YouTube community poll, which we just did. We had over 800 votes in the poll, so shout out to the voters. The question was, which new Cavaliers free agent will have the most significant impact this season? Basic question, right? Here's some of the comments we got. I'm more excited to see what Imani Bates will do. Oh, my God in heaven. Ready? Next. Ready? Here, here. No, oh no, stop, no, no, hey, no. There stop, you go, my stop, man. Stop. This, this, can I get, you go? Can I get wait, some wait, vodka? Wait, 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 wait. Hey, there you wait, go. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. This is not a basin. This is just ready next. <laughs> next answer. None. All are a waste of money. Next. <laughs> okay. Not really feeling any of these moves. Okay. I don't feel like the Cavs are any closer to being a top five team in the East. They maybe win a game or two more than last year. I still don't see any dogs on the roster. Next comment. None of these players will have an impact. Next player. All bums. Max Struess overpaid. Cavs fell for it. Next comment, none. Next comment, all bums. Next comment, bunch of shooters but no defense. What did y'all expect them right? to do? Who'd no, you, all shooters, no defense. They had plenty of defensive guys. They didn't shooters. What, what, what'd y'all want? Like LeBron James I want, coming back in free agency? I want some vodka or bourbon in this thing because I, I, can't, I, I can't take it. That, I can't take it. I, listen, and we, we love you guys. We appreciate you participating. And Earl, I'll let you chime in here in a sec. But what did, who did you want them to sign that you would have been like, that's a good sign, and they'll have an impact. Who, who within the financial, uh, within the restri- financial restrictions they had, who could they have? Pop- Fred Van Vliet wasn't coming here. They didn't have 130 million. Like, like who, who? Answer me that. Who? I let you. I listen. Kuzma got 102 million. They say G. Bush, bro. You, you being too hard on the Cavs. Stop being so hard on them. Don't be. And then when I, we put polls up like this, y'all guys, y'all be dropping the ball. Listen. I've consistently said you're not getting free agents to come here like that. Second of all, you don't have that much money to be spending. You don't have it. Third of all, even if you did have the bread, you would still need to trade certain players to get a certain type player back. Y'all don't like us mentioning none of these players names. You love Jared Allen. You love Darius Garland. You love you love Donovan Mitchell. You're not trading them. So my thing is, where, what imaginary world of players did you thought was coming here when you knew what the ingredients was looking like? You just, like, you can't make it up. You can't just say, we should go get this person and knowing good and well that person don't want to play here. 
or ever is not going to sign here or you don't have the money or you don't have access. What are you talking about? Two things. One, you mentioned it early on the show and I probably should have made a bigger deal about it, but for them to target a free agent and say, that's the guy we want and, and, get, for, him. and get him is very rare in Cleveland. It's very rare. And it happened. I mean, you know, we talked, I talked at the start about the big contracts and Larry Hughes came to play with LeBron right. and that was a disaster, but yeah. whatever. Lowry Markin, and that was a like August move, late August move, because his restricted free agency was, had played out was. and he wasn't getting the money he wanted from anyone else. And so the Cavs got something done. They brought him here. This was a day one, day two free agent signing. Uh, was the number one guy on their board, and they went out and they got him, and he said yes to come to Cleveland. That's significant. That is. That's a big deal. That's it, really yeah. big. And number two, to be able to add him and get Niang and stay under the tax. We've talked before about they want to stay out of the tax, and they're right up against it now. They will be a tax. If you're going to go into the tax, you don't go into the tax for a million. Like, if you're going to do it, then do it. Yeah, yeah. And so they're probably they're going to have to take away to add because they want to stay out of that out of that tax for one more year next year they probably become a tax paying team and that's when you press go on contract clocks and everything else and that's when repeat offender comes into play and all that stuff that's for down the road so i would think that they're about done with the moves just because of where the tax line is and and where they are they got if you look at the roster and you just take all the stuff out of here look at the roster pound for pound you now have good defensive players Evan Mobley almost won defensive player of the year. Jared Allen is an elite defender. You have an elite scorer uh, uh, in, in Donovan Mitchell, who's who's made second team All NBA. You have a, 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 a All Star guard in Darius Garland, who's already locked up, who looks like he take another step and be awesome. And you have a guy, Karis LeVert, who's a six man that could get fifty off the bench. You went and added two more shooters to that, right? And you went and got people. People say Monty Bates and they throw their head, but you got. You even got upside in the second round yep. with some guys or that 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 has some upside that could turn out to be something if they develop. At the end of the day, you look at this roster from top to bottom, and you look at the Eastern Conference. Their roster competes with Philadelphia. The roster, especially with Philly, got going on now. The roster competes with the Atlanta's of the. They just lost Collins. The roster competes with teams like Boston, who put has to mix in guys like Porzingis. Like the roster is there. Like you could be mad or upset, but I don't know what you could be mad or upset about with the moves they made since they took an L. They've addressed a yeah. lot of stuff. I just don't know who. If, if you don't like these two, I don't know who else you wanted them to sign. Uh, we mentioned Niang, like the day after the season ended, as one of the guys I thought was a realistic candidate for the mm-hmm. mid-level exception. They got him, and then they got another guy who got more than the mid-level exception. Like I just think that's a home run for what their financial constraints were. And the three things, I go back, we'll move on to the rest of the NBA winners. Last week, the question we asked on the show was, what was the Cavs' biggest issue last year? Coaching, roster, or youth? Well, they addressed the roster. They added two guys who have a combined 99 playoff games. You realize George Nanny's played in more playoff games than Donovan Mitchell, right? That's crazy. He's played in more playoff games than Donovan Mitchell, and Max Drews has 43 career playoff games. They brought in, oh, 89. Yeah, because 40, yeah, 89, not 99, excuse me. 89 combined playoff games. They address the youth. They address the roster. Now it's going to come down. Can, J, can JB coach these guys up? Two guys that were in the finals and the Eastern Conference finals. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, what do you want? Like, that's, that's experience. And Tydrome didn't play in the playoffs. But he was on a playoff roster. So, 
I mean, yeah. we'll take all that. All right, let's talk about some other moves throughout the NBA. Some guys got paid. Anthony, real quick, though, it's 12 o'clock. And you know what that means. Yeah, I got to remind you guys that you can see all your favorite golf legends play in the Colleagues Company Championship July 12th through July 16th at the famous Firestone Country Club. Fun, family-friendly events all week long featuring a new fan zone experience, free attendance for kids, and concerts every single night. There's something for everyone. You can learn more at colleaguegolf.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. 